Welcome to the Outside Right podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Football Travel Podcast from Outside Right. I'm editor Chris Lee, and in this episode... After every goal that the home team scores, he cuts off a slab and holds it up. Now, imagine trying to get someone in in a European stadium with a chainsaw. I don't (laughs) think you'd do that. We go stateside discussing Major League Soccer with Stephen Brandt from the Yellow Car Podcast. Enjoy. The Outside Right Podcast. So I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen Brandt from the Yellow Card Podcast. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, Chris. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on. We're going to be talking about Major League Soccer today. Um, but do you want to just briefly introduce us, please, to the Yellow Card Podcast and, and your work in general? Yeah, I'm that guy that about 15 years ago in the States looked at looked at the sport going, oh, this is not going to explode. Nothing big's going to happen. I'll start writing. I'll start podcasting. And then... Then the freaking underwear model David Beckham came over and exploded the mm. exploded it all here, which which has been a great thing. I went from 15 years ago getting the Man United game of the month to I can literally sit here on a day in Buffalo, New York, and watch a game in every league in the world. Now there's some leagues like Belgium. I don't think you want to watch more than about 15 minutes of, but mm. that's kind of what I started Yellow Card as is that. When I started, podcasts weren't really big in the States. There was a couple here and there. But most of it was the typical, let's talk about the big teams and let's do that. I'm like, there's more than that. Let's talk about everything else. And I have, over the five years, talked about every level in the United States. I've talked about some of the history. I mean, Mm. soccer here in the country goes back to the 1800s. Mm. So it's, it's one of those things I wanted to do. And I've been writing on the sport for years. I mean, I've, I've, I've been writing a lot on South South America right now. I just did a really long piece on Nottingham Forest about oh, yeah. um, Brian Clough because he's one of those ones I wish I was old enough and English to have witnessed. Yeah, I caught the end of his career. Um, I saw him once at a Tottenham Forest match way back in the late 80s. And he was yeah. kind of on the opposite touchlines. That's as close as I ever got to Brian Clough. But yeah, he was gold on TV when it came to interviews. Yeah, because I've read all those from that. I've read the uh, the Leeds books, the the Derby County books, and all mm. that stuff going up. So I want I wanted to do that. I kind of want to film because as Americans, we don't get the ability, at least at my age, I'm forty, to have a team picked for you, like your family. Mm. We have to pick our teams. I don't want to get into sort of European snobbery about American soccer at this point because there's two things I want to dispel here. One is the word soccer was first coined by Charles Rayford Brown of the Corinthians, a former England national team player. So it's not an Americanism. And also one of my favorite books was written by an American, um, The Miracle of Castel di Sangro. I don't know if you know that book. Um, I read that thing three times. I actually had – I kept – I kept loaning that book and never getting it back, but it's fortunate Amazon's around where you could pretty much pick up any book for like a buck. I'd love that. It's sad that he, it's sad that that author is not alive anymore because I would have loved. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh no. He he died years ago. I mean, he's, he died pretty much afterwards. He was a young man when he went, because that was a great, great late nineties. I think 97. Yeah. About that. I picked it up. I picked it up. One of them because I wanted to do some Italian and 
Italian writing, and now I'm back to writing it. So go figure. Okay, brilliant. So just on that, though, Wayne, uh, we're talking about Major League Soccer today, obviously. So it's, it's, let's dial back. This isn't the first time there's been an attempt to to build a, so- a solid football league in the U.S. Could you give us a lowdown on, on U.S. soccer to this date and how the MLS has come around in its current guys? Uh, MLS is a direct reaction to the old North American Soccer League that was a direct reaction to Americans being able to see the World Cup on TV. Mm -hmm. Americans finally saw the 1966 World Cup, and I know you guys haven't stopped droning on about that since 1966, which is fine. If if America ever wins a World Cup, I I hope we're annoying about it. So what happened is America, instead of doing the smart thing in developing the first real big league, it's not the old North American soccer league. Is not the first big league, but it's the first mm. league where all the big enough stars came in? We've had the, we've had leagues rise and fall apart since the 1800s. I mean, if you go and look up online, fall river marksmen on um, the Kearney Scots, the Bethlehem Steel teams, you'll see a lot of Scottish players that were brought over here in the early 1800s for the Mills. What North American Soccer League was is that they saw something and went, we can do that. So what ended up happening is a lot of players kept coming over that were beyond their sell on day. Bobby Moore was over here. Giorgio Chanalia was over here. Mm. Pele was brought over. Beckenbauer, oh, George Best, George Best, um, Harry Redknapp was over here, um, and there's some players that are still here from the from those teams. Alan Hinton, who played with, who was coached by Stan Cullis mm. and uh, um, Brian Clough, never left. Ron Newman, who was uh, I think at Hartlepool, he just recently died. He was one of the greatest. Ma- he was one of the greatest managers here in the states. He coached all over. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on him, but he's a former Fort Lauderdale striker. He does um he does Barcelona games. Mm. Ray Hudson, Ray Hudson. He he played for um, Newcastle in the '70s yeah. and has just stayed here. A lot of those players have stayed, but unfortunately, what happened is the league grew too fast because they saw the Cosmos bringing over all these players, and they didn't realize that not every City can do it, or not every person has enough money to throw the money at it. So the league mm. fell apart. 1984, the league completely dies. Then we go 10 years without anything out major soccer, so, which killed a whole generation. You get to 94, and we get the World Cup. Here's the problem. To get the World Cup, Here's you have to have a league. We don't have a league. So USSF started a league. The first club team, whatever you want to call it, is the Columbus Crew. Their mm-hmm. point number one, they are in Columbus. They didn't have the first soccer-specific stadium here, but it was among the first. So it, what they did is they brought the players that came back over. Alexi Lawless came back from, from Italy. We took players back from from England. They're slowly coming, and it took a while to get it going. It the league almost fell apart in start of two thousand. So what what kind of brought it back to life? Let's be honest. David Beckham doesn't come over; the league's gone because what he did is he brought in the extra 
fans, not the fans like you and I who have watched the sport, who know the intricacies. Now, I'm never going to completely knock David Beckham. I don't like 90% of the teams he played for, but that's I'm biased. But he mm. was able to bring in the people in here in America that, oh, we want to watch this. This guy's all over the place. And it grew the league. Suddenly, we... We had, if you had told me when he'd come here that we would be sitting here with a team coming in in Nashville, Tennessee, we would have a lower league team in Chattanooga, Sacramento would have a team, FC FC Cincinnati would be coming in. I would laugh at you because if you look at the majority of what the franchises were at the time, they're East Coast and the big, and that's that's where it is. I mean, it's Laton. Is not going to go play in Colorado because mm. he's not going to draw anything there. You're not no. going to go put Wayne Rooney in Minnesota. God love Minnesota. I love Minnesota United, but you're just not going to do that. Fair enough. Where do, I mean, where do those cultures come from? Because I've heard about the uh, you know the Portland team and 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 they're all quite hipster allegedly, etc. And I know that Man City have a club in in New York and there's some kind of New York derby thing going on with ultras and all sorts how does this come about is this kind of people following trends from other countries portland is different when i said the north american soccer league fell apart it it went apart here's the thing for a good majority of Mm. the mls's time they shunned anything with the old north american soccer league there was even talk years ago of the old cosmos name being brought because the cosmos technically never died they went bankrupt and someone just sold off their rights, but they were around. Timbers, the Timbers, um, Seattle and Vancouver are old NESL teams. They're not the same. They're not a continuation. They've gone and fallen apart many times. But this, the, that area, the Cascadia region, has been soccer crazy for years because a lot of those players that came over in the 70s and 80s stayed and helped grow it. So you've got 40 years of people coming in. It's why in the lower division in the USL, you see something like the Tampa Bay Rowdies doing well, because here's the thing. Tampa Bay Rowdies are that name. The Man City team is an interesting team. It's it's a very new one, and it's a response to MLS not getting the Cosmos when the Cosmos came back, because that was probably supposed to be the Cosmos one. And the Cosmos, they don't play by the rules. They are their own separate identity, and they have crashed so many times in doing that. The thing with the United States is we're such a big country is that you've got a lot of people that have come over, a lot of immigrants that have come over and helped grow the league. Like you have in um, New Jersey and New York, a lot of Colombians. Mm. So they will go and sell out. Portland is a small community with a small stadium, well, smallish. They could they sell that out all the time. Their TFOs mm-hmm. and their displays sometimes are borderline wrong, like the Pennywise one they had a couple weeks ago. But that was that was worth it. And um, and just on that, I mean, we've we've just seen David talking of David Beckham. He's launched the um, Club Internacional de Football <laughs> Miami, um, which I guess makes sense because obviously there's a lot of Latino, um, you know, Cuban descent and other Hispanics in 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 Miami. Do you think he's He's going for a, that particular market, or is it just uh, reflective of where the club happens to be that he settled it? It's, it's finally we're get we're finally we're getting some actual cool names in the top division. Most of it's just been FC or since or a city. Mm. I mean, 
I mean, you, you can you can look outside your window and probably see an Albion, an FC, United, and all that. I mean, we got so many Uniteds in this thing, that's fine. Um, I think that's what he's going for, because you can't put a generic FC Miami City in there. I mean, they have there's a, there is a Miami FC in the lower divisions, and that's doing pretty decent. Mm. But to really capture what you want, you should do something like that, and... Beckham has behind him a lot of really good minds for doing for doing this out of Brazil. So if and when this this club comes about and gets accepted into MLS, it's going to be done the right way. Mm-hmm. It's going to be marketed the right way, and they're going to. It's going to be like what Atlanta did. It's going to be truly organic. One of the other things you have in the States that um, is kind of shunned here, I know it happens a lot in Australian rules football, but it's the franchise model where um, a team can you know, move. Uh, and in the UK, obviously, the only example I can really think of is the one where Wimbledon, the original Wimbledon, was uprooted to Milton Keynes and became MK Dons, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And then AFC Wimbledon started up in its in its place uh, and eventually overtook them in the you know, MK Dons. But in England, we're particularly hostile towards MK Dons. Um, they're called a franchise FC. <laughs> and yeah. Over there, it's the standard thing. You're saying there's a new team in, in Austin or somewhere? This is the real complicated one. This has happened many, 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 many times in the sport in the States. Um, and this wouldn't be the first one in MLS. Because the Houston franchise is the old San Jose franchise mm-hmm. from when it started. Th- th- there's already been one move. There will probably be more. Here's the bone of contention. As I mentioned before, Austin, and I don't think it will come about, is trying to uproot Columbus Crew. As I mentioned, Columbus Crew is the first club, the first one that was noticed. The club was originally run by Lamar Hunt, who basically goes back in soccer all the way back to the 60s. He ran a couple teams in the old North American Soccer League. He ran the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL. Towards the end of Lamar Hunt's life, his kids took over the Columbus crew and just weren't interested in having all the teams. They had a bunch of stuff with them. So they sold it to a guy named Andy Precourt. At that time, he pumped in a lot of stuff to kick up the crew, make them better, and got some love in the thing what we didn't realize when he originally bought the team in 2013 he had a stipulation that at any time if the metrics weren't good enough for him he could uproot the team and move them to austin texas now here's the problem with austin texas austin's already lost at least two teams in fact one of the teams they lost moved to orlando city and became the orlando city sc team so we're seeing something here. Austin, let me be honest, I've been there, is a very fun area. One of the, If you're under about 65, it's one of the best, most cool places. You, you don't need another team there. There's two, there's two other teams in the, in the state, and not many people go to either. So put a third team down there, you're still going to see stagnation. The problem is what they're thinking, and... And there's a lot I could get really technical with this is that they're saying that the Columbus crew need a new stadium. The, the Columbus crew attendance is falling down. That's a lot of padding of the numbers. And if you really want to read more of this, go online and look up the Save the Crew movement. It's a, it's a website, it's an app. They're all over the place. Read the documents. 
this is borderline MK Dons, mm. what Precourt is trying to do. And it's not only Precourt. The league is doing this. And it's it's made a lot of fans turn off the sport. Right. Because, because individual people, unlike you with the teams there, like someone owns Colchester. Some individual group or consortium owns it. The FA doesn't own them. Here in the States, because of the North American Soccer League falling apart, the league owns every every club, pays every player, owns all the contracts, t- dictates you on how you're supposed to spend your money. It's not, you own this, you get to do with it you want, and if you fail, it's on your fault. Uh-uh, that's not what it does. So the league is helping this along. That's the big problem that a lot of people are having right now. I mean, does that mean that the um, because you don't have that inequality of money at your disposal, is that make it fairer uh, or more, more interestingly, because obviously my, my big issue, as I've blogged about many times with the European leagues, is this hegemony. So you've got like Juventus winning seven straight titles. You've got Madrid, Barca in Spain. You've got Bayern München all the time in Germany and it just Celtic in Scotland. It's just really, really boring. Is that how, um, why it's a bit, is it different in the MLS? You always get a bit more variety. More competition. Well, let me get. Let me pull it back a little bit. If you were able to take the roster restrictions and let the individual people own the teams, you've got some big money behind some teams. The New England Revolution is owned by the Kraft family. They own the Patriots. These are the uh, the food Hunt. people, right? Yeah, Lamar Hunt, an oil man ran half the league at one point there's money in this league if you do it the right way you could have that's that same thing now two of the major big teams here dc united and la galaxy you're seeing you're seeing what i'm talking about are the ones that have the money and the prestige and all that and just blown titles out of the water so you're never going to see you're not going to see another well Colorado is an anomaly because it's run by the Cronkies who own at least one or, well, okay, they own a lot of, the Cronkies own a lot of different teams. They have a lot of money, but you're not going to have a lot of Colorados or Columbuses win all that much. You're going to have Orlando go, you're going to have, you're going to have some small, smaller size. You don't have the typical, you're not going to see a Leicester here. You're not going to see a Darby County happen here. It's just, not possible because you're not going to get a small team because none of these teams are really that small. It would probably be if Minnesota got Minnesota United got their act together and race up into the to the playoffs, maybe, maybe. But it's still going to be at the end of the year. You're probably going to see Toronto and Seattle get in, or you're going to see, or DC United do it. That's part of the course, and I don't mind that per se because as an American fan in our, all our other sports. Okay. So while we're talking about that, then what's the format of the MSL? I know there's two conferences and is it a, and a playoff? There's a playoff. Um, like there's like four teams. There's wild cards on each and then there's divisional and then finals. And then you get down. It's a typical playoff type of thing. Mm. It's not as, it's not as well structured as like the champion chip playoffs to, to go up type of thing. It's just your typical playoff system that you see in most most leagues, and it's pretty decent. Um, there are home and aways unless you get unless you get to a final, and then you're fine. Final is a one-off. We do ha- also have 
a cup. We have our FA Cup. It's for all all the leagues up and down. We haven't seen a lower league team win since the 90s. Pretty much. Um, you've got to have the money and the backing in a good city to, to, to win. If I, uh, In terms of cultures, I've seen a few emerging. We alluded to some kind of ultras earlier this in the podcast. Um, what are the rivalries that are appearing and what are the sort of fan cultures? If I went to a, went to a game, what kind of songs could I expect to hear? Would I see TIFO? All that pretty, sort of pretty boring. Oh, really? For, okay. to, be pretty, <laughs> to be pretty boring, you're not going to be able to pull off anything that you guys in England are able to pull off. Well, it's not even that great here. Is I listen to some of the stuff that goes on. Now, I'll be honest, I, I do watch a lot of Celtic stuff. And the old firm games, I have to mute. There's a, official song books at leagues, and they try the league tries to mo- modify and have official groups. Okay. The best one, if I'm telling if you guys come here and say, I want to witness the perfect scene. I want to go see what it is. I say go to Portland, go to Providence Park, mm. go for um, a Seattle Portland game. Just sit there. I mean, yeah, celebrate, be all like that, but just watch it. Now it's not going to be at the level like um, Leeds or Southampton or Liverpool, but for America, you will see you see them up and cheering. You see, and now you're also in Portland going to see a guy in one of the ends with a big log and a chainsaw. After every goal that the home team scores, he cuts off a slab and holds it up. Cool. Yeah. Now imagine trying to get someone in a European stadium with a chainsaw. Yeah, I'm not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think you'd do that. Fair enough. Very Legal. trustworthy. Legally. So for the American, I mean, for an MLS groundhopper coming to the US, then uh, what they need to know, um, because you know, when's the season run? How much I expect for tickets? Because I know that with the other American sports I've been to, and I just bought some hockey tickets, for example, when I'm over in November, that's very expensive indeed. Is it the same with soccer? Or is it kind of more? No, soccer's dirt cheap. Um, the league basically they they start their preseason in about February and are are off in March and we'll go to about November. I know this year it's the first, the MLS cup is the first week of December and that's always been the last two or three years. It's been in Toronto in the snow. Generally tickets. I've taken my dad to three, three or four games. They're not bad. Anywhere from 20 to about 60 bucks okay. per ticket. That's, I mean, I mean, and I, I live in Buffalo, New York. Tickets, um, hockey tickets for me are next to nothing, but the Sabres have been horrible for years, so I'm used to like $25 tickets. MLS, unless if you go to LA, are not that bad. You're going to get pretty reasonable, upwards of about 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. And the merchandise is decent. Um, the jerseys are like 80 to 90 bucks. The scarves are not that bad, and each fan group has like scarves of the month. So I mean, you, you can be kitted out pretty quickly. Fair enough. So, what do you think the MLS will look like in five or ten years' time? You're going to have to keep bringing in kind of old um, European players over thirty, or do you think that it's going to be a case of getting some homespun heroes to for people to idolize? Well. They, well, you see, we have the unique thing that you guys don't. A lot of our youth goes over to Germany to play. I mean, a good majority 
are at Schalke or Borussia Dortmund. There's some, mm-hmm. there's some sitting in um, Bayern Munich. Um, it's going to be the same, to be honest with you. As long as Don, Gar- Don Garber is still there, it's going to be pretty much the same. It's going to top out at probably the third or fourth league as far as importance in the culture. And you know what? That's fine. If you had told me that in 2000, the league would be this big and it would be doing that well, I'll take that. Now, the key question is, if they get someone in there young that goes, all right, let's do this the European way, then it could explode. Mm. If it's done the way Europeans do it, I think the sport can get even bigger. I mean, who do you think is going to drive that? It's going to be the 20-year-olds. It's going to be the 20-year-olds. The, because my generation didn't get to grow up with the sport. We get to grow up with seeing Man United every week. The 20-year-olds mm-hmm. that are coming through are able to watch every game all the time. I can watch a Histon v. whoever. I can go and watch Germany's fourth division if I want. I don't know why. You're able to watch everything now and get used to it. That I think the young are going to come in. And there's a lot of young kids that are working at amateur teams, um, league, th- league two or three teams, that are going to get into it. And once we get the shackles off, it's going to be fun. Um, mm. There are still I, – I still think in the next five years, um, Cristiano Ronaldo will come over towards the end. I think Messi will eventually pop over here. And that's about it. I don't – Neymar probably won't you'll start seeing some younger people come over. Some ones that won't get the big, won't get the Southampton deal. Mm. Come over here and have a good enough, have a good enough career. I mean, Paul Daglish has been here for 15 years and he could come over in the UK with his last name and get, get a club. He hasn't left. We have people that are playing in the academies of Chelsea and Liverpool that are coming through here. That's good. I take that. Mm. I take their cast offs because the cast offs of some of those teams are going to be better than what we're bringing. Brilliant. So thanks so much for that. Finally, where can people connect with you online? Where can they get hold of your content? Oh, you can always contact me on Twitter and uh, my Twitter accounts. Um, I'm yellow. I I run our pod Twitter. I'm also at Stephen C. Brandt. It's uh, um, Big C, Big B Brandt. I'm always I'm always talking or just having fun. Sharing all my articles I'm writing, or God forbid, I might write something on Calgary later. Who knows? Who knows with what comes out of my mind? Fair enough. And I'll link to that as well, obviously, from the website, so people can uh, click through and and check out the podcast. Brilliant. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Stephen. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what we're doing, do please leave us a review on your chosen podcast platform, and of course, look out for us on social media. Look for Outside Right W R I T E on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, where we do a load of retro stuff. Loads more on outsideright.co.uk. And until next time, goodbye.